by popular demand, um, I, uh, some of you guys, we had some requests as far as uh, the uh, uh, continuing Q&A because we weren't able to cover much of it uh, yesterday. So we're uh, continuing our Q&A. So just for our speakers, uh, there we have a really big stack of questions. So if, uh, if we can move a little bit faster than we did yesterday without feeling too pressured, uh, just so that we can cover everyone's questions. So yesterday, I kind of messed things up a little by grabbing all these mics and giving you guys different mics. So if you guys can grab the mic that's nearest in your direction. So uh, Pastor Kim, if you mind uh, praying before we start Q&A. Dear Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity to uh, provide answers, Lord, to the questions that have been turned in. Just pray that your spirit would be here with us and that we would all be blessed during this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, first question. Um, have you ever canvassed before? If you have, what was your worst and best experiences? Thank you for choosing this question. God bless. <laughs> this person's a canvasser. He assumed the cell for those who canvassed. So have you canvassed before, and what was your best experience and worst experience? Have any of you guys canvassed? I have big booked in Utah, Salt Lake oh. City, Mormon territory. This was a long, long time ago in the 90s. Um, during the first week in our team, I was the first to sell a Bible story set. And it was just exciting. And I just felt like God had his favor on me. And I was thinking I was going to be the top seller that, that summer. The next three to four weeks, I didn't sell any big books. I only got out MAGA books. And it was a very painful, very humbling experience. And at the end of the summer, I ended up having the lowest sales. And I look back and I just thank God for those kind of experiences that, that God used to just really teach me. Amen about humility. Amen. I highly recommend canvassing to everybody because it's very difficult and it's character building. And also a blessing. Okay, next, next question. Well, it is a blessing. Character building is a blessing. Uh, next question. How do we know when to ask a boy or girl to court or date? How do we know when to ask a boy or girl to court or date? Okay, we'll, we'll leave the the, uh, an, the answers to our, our speakers. The Patel brothers are smiling. I don't know why you're looking at me. I, I, he just asked me if I had a mic or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good question. Obviously, it's a difficult one. Um, I bet you this person is probably in, uh, really young, huh? <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, I can always just tell you my personal experience. How about that? Um, when I was, uh, you know, in my high school years, college years, 20s and stuff, well, I wasn't with the Lord, and I followed my own heart, my own decisions, and um, that always proved to be sour in the end, and um, when you get into relationships 
without following God, you end up damaging a part of yourself along with the other person. And then when you finally get with the person God wants you to be, you bring in all that baggage with you. So um, what God speaks it's good to first fall in love with him. Yeah. If you haven't fallen in love with the Lord, then you're wrong already. Yeah. Then this question should be thrown away. Okay? Because, you know, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So that's rule number one. I uh, decided to delight myself in the Lord because he saved me. I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony. And when I did that, I wasn't even looking, honestly, how it happened to me. And God gave me the desires of my heart, the, the best desire ever. And I share my story with you. And how I got with my wife, or we, we can reconnected um, long distance over the phone, Bible studies together, praying. Seriously, brother. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you. Now, I, I used to go on dates in the world and go to the movies and restaurants, but nothing was so sweeter than praying with my wife-to-be. And I hadn't even seen, well, I'm not going to tell you all, but I hadn't even seen her yet. And we were praying and reading the book of God on the phone. And I knew already I connected with her on a deep level. So all I can say is love the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, next question. Reference is often made of conservative settings like this that we should not look like the world. But seldom is it explained how we should not look like the world. Is this, uh, is this just left up to each person individual ideas and opinions? Or, or do we have guidance from our leaders on this matter? So um, oftentimes the reference is made don't look like the world. But how do we practically do that? How do we not look like the world? Well, one, one thing just comes to mind real quick. Um, talking about dress, and, and typically, I mean, this, this falls on, on the female gender, um, but that our dress should frame the face. It should bring attention to the face. And the world, what's attention being brought to? Right? It's being brought to the body. And, um, I mean, guys, they, they can do the same thing, right? But, you know, modesty, there's beauty in modesty. Amen. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah, you know, just bringing, bringing our attention to each other's faces is really, you know, where, where godly fashion, uh, I think, stems from, whereas the world is, you know, looking at the body. So. The Bible does have a lot to say about jewelry. It talks about the importance of modest apparel. Mm -hmm. And in the church manual, there is a chapter on standards of Christian living that address dress and entertainment and a number of other things. Mm -hmm. Amen. So it's not up to personal opinions or ideas. There's, yeah. there's information. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, oh, Another good little book is Creeping Compromise by Joe Cruz. It's an old one, but if you can get a hold of that one, do it, because it, it has a lot of questions that some of us have, and it gives special guidance. Okay, amen. And Creeping Compromise? By, by Joe Cruz. By Joe Cruz. Right over here, right over here. We have a couple of those upstairs. Amen. <laughs> Okay, uh, I just want to quickly add something to the previous question that was asked. Okay, go ahead. So I've just heard from a lot of godly friends of mine, godly female friends of mine, that they believe that a woman should never initiate a relationship, but it should be the man. 
I've just heard that quite often, and I believe that's that's the way it perhaps ought to be. Amen. Uh, my dad was controlling, and I never felt like I could live up to his expectations. I think I'm, I'm angry at him and have, am having trouble forgiving him. What do I do? How do I start the conversation? I forgive what? you. <laughs> okay, I'm going to answer that one. If you were in um, Pastor Kim's early morning meeting this morning, this question was very well answered. I would say take some time to fast mm. and to pray because only before the Lord can we really feel our, our grace for ourselves. And then once we feel that ourselves, then we can extend that same grace to somebody else who may really have damaged us. It's a very hard thing to forgive in those kinds of situations. But when we understand God has forgiven us, then we can go the second step and preparing the heart like he explained this morning. And if you didn't hear it, you ought to get the the recording because um, there was a lot of meat there. And there's a lot of power in United Prayer also. Um, I was in Thailand. We were having special prayer, asking for people who were hurting, needed special prayer to come to the middle. We would lay our hands on that person and have several individuals pray. This one individual came to the middle with tears in her eyes. She said in her teens, this individual abused her sexually. And she wants to forgive him, but she could not. And we had special prayer for her. Several weeks later, she says, God has put forgiveness in my heart for this individual. If you're dealing with anger specifically, I, know, I remember after when my daughter turned eight years old, I was angry with my father because of the whole India ordeal. He took me to India and left me there when I was eight. And so when my daughter turned eight, I got upset with him because I said, you know what? There's no way in the world I can leave my little girl in a foreign country. And so I got all this anger towards him, right? And one of the major things that, that still helps me today with anger and bitterness is looking at the cross. And there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, just a beauty of seeing Jesus on the cross when you're angry. And when you see what you're angry about and you see Jesus on the cross suffering, it melts away all anger, all frustration, and it puts things into perspective all the time. Amen. Amen. Is it allowed for couples to live together before marriage? (laughs) We'll let the audience answer this one. (laughs) You said no? So it's simple. Yeah, avoid the avoid the uh, uh, appearance of evil. And not just appearance, but temptation. And temptation. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, How do you know whether to take something literally or via principle? And talking about taking the word plainly and another word that I don't know. So plainly. How do, how do you know whether to take something literally or via principle? Um, I think this might be referring to some of the things that you were sharing. We have several principles of interpretation of the scripture. One of them is that we compare scripture with scripture. Scripture is a total unity. In the Old Testament, it's referred to in the New Testament. We can find out 
uh, different questions and different answers by comparing scripture with scripture. And sometimes it becomes very, very clear that um, if we're told to go out and if somebody's killed because they didn't keep the Sabbath and then you compare that with other scriptures, you understand what the principle of the matter is. It's not kill the man that, that uh, picked up sticks on the Sabbath, but it's being careful with Sabbath keeping. And so I would urge that anytime we are trying to decide whether something um, can be taken exactly literally, do a search of the whole scriptures. What does the Bible actually say on these issues? And then pull it together. And then that will give you wisdom as to know whether um, something should be taken plainly or as a principle. Can a woman remarry uh, when her husband cheats on her? Can a woman remarry when her husband cheats on her? And preferably if there's Bible text for this. Good question. <laughs> I know with a man, right? Well, Jesus said, except for adultery, that was that was his his uh, bottom line. Um, if you found it, yeah. Matthew nineteen verse nine, and I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. Yeah, I, I, I see that, that I know, you know, this is just what's coming to my mind as I read this. I see that as, you know, God saying, yeah, that that can be the case. I, I believe different cases are, are different. But I also, you know, if it's really abusive and really, you know, you, each case you got to come to the Lord. But I also believe that God is long-suffering. He's, he's forgiving. He's merciful because he deals with us. You know what I mean? And, he, and we, uh, my brother got his hand up there. Yeah, help me out. And, um, but I, it just came to my mind that, you know, even though you may be in that situation, I don't understand. I haven't been there, but um, I would just always go to Jesus in that situation. And I, like we were saying, and, you know, to see if forgiveness may be. I believe God is always willing to have forgiveness first and for you all to work it out is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And that kind of will be the absolute last resort. I think uh, if we go back to the original, the way in the beginning of the question, and uh, if it goes back to choosing, God gives us very strict uh, rules of how to choose a mate. And if we were to follow that, we wouldn't have the worst problems. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm paying attention to these questions as everyone's talking. One, uh, one more so, point, though. It just okay, made me yeah. think, but you, you never know the point. I remember what Paul was saying that, you know, if you have a spouse that's maybe an unbeliever and, you know, they may be caught up in the life of sin, but you are a believer, mm. you may be the only chance that they have to see Christ. So, like I said, each situation is different. It takes a lot of prayer, but I personally, you know, when you see this, don't bail out the ship. You know, Amen. go to the God, go God, go to God first Amen. and see, because it's all about salvation on the line here mm. and your spouse needs to go to heaven too, just like you. So, Amen. I, I think earlier in the, in the chapter in Matthew 19, um, the I forget who's asking the question, but they're saying, can, can they, can, uh, they're speaking about divorce and Jesus said that it was because of the hardness of our heart that divorce came to be so forgiveness should definitely be the the default uh, but because of the hardness of our hearts some some of us just can't come to that uh, that forgiveness and so divorce um, does come into play Uh, so this is just our our last question for our our Q&A forgive us for those who uh, brought in questions that we don't have time for Um, it says how can you let go of someone in your past, but still be able to bring them to Christ? How can you let go of someone in your past, but still bring them to Christ? This is a relationship thing then, right? You break um, up with somebody. So I'm very confused by the question. So you're dating somebody that doesn't know Christ, and then you break up with them, and then it, you want to still bring them to Christ? It's, it sounds like that's, that's the case. I want to start by saying that our loved ones, our immediate family, are the hardest people to win to Christ. And rarely will God use us to bring them. We need to pray that God will send other people their way to share Jesus, to show Jesus. And in this case, I think we need to pray that God will send others to that individual instead of we thinking that we need to do it. Nothing else to say after that. He just said it all. Amen. Amen. Um, then we can probably squeeze in uh, another one here. Uh, it says, is it necessary to go to a four-year college and get a degree? Sometimes I feel like it's a waste of time. I'm torn. Even if you have to go in debt, what's the best plan? I look at people like Doug Bachelor, David Ashrick, And so, no, you don't always have to go to a four-year college. The important thing is ask God, what is God's plan for your life? If God says, I want you to go to that school, perhaps that's your mission field for the next four years. And if God says for you to go, you can trust that God's going to provide for you to be there. I have a friend, Tim Riesenberger. Most of you may know Dr. Tim Riesenberger. He went to Loma Linda. He came out debt-free. Okay. He went there by faith. God opened up the doors, came out of there debt-free. Wow. Just amazing. God can do that for you too. Okay. But the thing is, is you need to be in the center of his will. Amen. If I could just add one thing. It depends on where the goal idea was really important because it depends on where you're going and what you need to qualify. Um, sometimes if you have missions in mind, Um, they require degrees and you can't work for the church if you don't have those certain degrees and so yes sometimes it is important to get goals but no not everybody has to go to college you know Um, you can work for the Lord wherever you are and however he impresses you but 
pray hard because God will lead you very specifically to where he wants you. Amen. And a lot of people ask this question, well, Jesus is coming so soon. Should I, you know, plan to be in college for four years? But in the Spirit of Prophecy, Ellen White says something about how if we're studying to prepare for ministry or whatever for service for him, just being in school alone, you are already serving him. Something along those lines. Yeah. Amen. And I'll just throw a little Youth Rush promo. If you guys do need uh, financial help, uh, come to Youth Rush. It definitely helps out. Amen. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, panelists, for your time. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.